but I was like, okay, we're four years out from the next Olympics. I am going to train for this as if it's real. Welcome to the Bar Ben Podcast, where we talk to the smartest minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbench.com. Today, I'm talking to a buddy of mine and occasional training partner, Paul Ravick. Paul has a background as a multi-sport athlete, and then like many others in the strength space these days, he found CrossFit a few years ago, and now, literally in the past year, he's transitioned sports. He's a member of the USA bobsled team, and he is prepping to compete in his first ever international meet. We talk about transitioning sports, what it takes to be a powerful athlete, and why bobsled is looking for those athletes specifically, and how adapting to a new winter sport has completely changed Paul's approach to training himself and clients. I hope you enjoy. Paul, thanks so much for joining me today. I've had the pleasure of working out with you a couple of times, and the first time I worked out with you, I didn't know for the entirety of the time that you're training to make an Olympic team. So that was always a little bit of a surprise. I was like, oh, this guy's just pretty fit, right? He's just pretty fit off the street. But you're a lot more than than just that. And I want to get to where you are today. But first, let's talk a little bit about who you are, your athletic background, and you know what sports you have played up to this point. Sounds good. And I appreciate you having me on the podcast. It was great getting to know you a little bit the past couple of times we worked out. And what's funny is like when we were chatting yesterday, I was like, shoot, don't talk to him too much. Let's save the conversation for today. But athletic background, I, I grew up playing all sorts of sports, like soccer when I was four years old, into basketball in the winter season, football in the fall, then that trans- transition to lacrosse in the spring, played ice hockey up until freshman year of college. So I always bounced from sport to sport and I just did that because I was like, I want to have fun. Little did I know as you got older, every sport got serious. So like looking back, my biggest regret is just not committing to one long enough. You know, like I have the most supportive parents in the world. I absolutely love them to death. They've always been like, do whatever you want, do what makes you happy. But I wish there was somebody that told me like, Hey, if you stick to something, you can pursue greatness. Cause I, I just, I didn't even know that was an option as a little kid. So then as I bounced from sport to sport, always just like average or slightly above average, but I never played one long enough to actually do anything with it. So then as I went into college, started getting into fitness a little bit more, started exercising, did your typical bro split of like chest tries, back buys, and never legs. And, <laughs> then, and then I found the, the sport of CrossFit and that was humbling because it was like, okay. What, what, year, what year was this? I think whenever anyone discovers CrossFit, it's always good to know kind of what, what era of that, of that arc people found it in. Because it was very different in like 2010 than, you know, 2018. That is true. And I actually, I learned about it in 2018. So I was on the later half of its like probably peak years, as you would say, you know, like that's when the fittest on earth documentaries came out. Mm -hmm. I remember watching it on Netflix and being like, wow, these guys can deadlift 500 pounds, but also run a five minute mile. I was like, all right, that's what I want to do. I want to, I don't want to be just like one thing. I want to be good at it all. Mm -hmm. So it's like, 
looked up a CrossFit gym, dropped into the box, got humbled by 40 year olds and like every modality possible. And I was like, okay, there are a lot of weaknesses that I can attack, mostly being lower body strength because I didn't do it for the past four years prior to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So for probably from like 2018 up until like this winter, uh, up until February, I was mainly training CrossFit. Uh, Olympic lifting was new to me. So that was really fun to dive head first, be a beginner in that aspect. Um, and then also just dive into like the gymnastics and, uh, power output workouts, uh, sustained cardio workouts, and just really trying to become an overall well-rounded athlete without weaknesses. And then that, the reason I stopped CrossFit is now that I'm trans- transitioning to a new sport of bobsled. And that's been a, a fun endeavor so far. You're actually the third CrossFitter we've had on this podcast who's transitioned to bobsled. And every journey has been different, right? Some some people have sought it out specifically. Some people have just gotten like DM'd on Instagram, like, hey, you should try out for this new sport. And I'm curious how that ball got rolling for you. Yeah. So for me, because the Winter Olympics just happened in February. So I heard about uh, a kid who competed at the most recent Olympics, Charlie Volker. He played football at Princeton, uh, tried to go to the NFL, didn't quite work out for whatever reasons I don't know of. But then he was like, I don't want to go in the corporate world. So his coach suggested, hey, you should try bobsled. And then two, three years later, he's in the Olympics. When I heard this story, I was like, wait, you can go to the Olympics without doing a sport your entire life? Because, mm-hmm. you know, gymnasts they're walking on their hands before their their feet they are starting at such a young age and uh they are competing in their late teens early early 20s like so i'm just like wait a second and it just kind of sparked the light bulb so i didn't really tell anybody about it but i went home did a lot of research into the athletes that competed for team usa their height weight athletic background how old they are what features of strength make them a great bobsledder and learning that they're all like around six foot, give or take a little bit, you know, around 210 plus in weight and that they have like strong power cleans. They have fast 40 yard dashes. Sounds like a lot of former football players to me. Exactly. And that there were guys that competed at the Olympics that were 35 years old. And I said, okay, so you can be older. I have a strong power clean. I, I like to think I'm fast. I'm, I'm currently 27. So I started to do the math. It's like, okay, the 2026 Olympics, I'll be 31. The 2030 Olympics, I'll be 35. I was like, okay, so I have potentially eight good years in the sport of bobsled. So then doing more research, I found a virtual combine listed on USA, uh, USA bobsled website. The combine was dated 2019. So I had no idea if this was active, if, if it was real, but I was like, okay, we're four years out from the next Olympics. I am going to train for this as if it's real. So I got a baseline for all of the metrics they were testing, which was vertical, broad jump, 40, 10 yard, couple interview mindset questions. And then in the meantime, I started blowing up the coaches' emails. They were all they were, they were all public on the website. It's just like cold emailing them. Be like, hey, I'm Paul. Here you yeah. go. I was like, I am Paul Rabick. I'm 27. I'm a powerful CrossFit athlete. 
I, I want to know if this combine is real. And this was in March when I started emailing all the coaches and started training for it. Like stop doing Metcons, really focus on speed mechanics and just trying to be as explosive of an athlete as possible while also gaining weight. What, what weight were you, what weight were you at? Like, what is your, what is your height and weight? Well, I guess your height is still the same. I was going to say, what were your height and weight and what are they now? Your height's probably the same. Uh, but I haven't what, grew any this year. You, you haven't <laughs> but, stretched out much. No, I wish I was still growing, but six foot. And at this point in time, about 200 pounds, 202. And in March, I was 180. Okay. So you've been gradually, and, and the thing is, you're still pretty lean. Like we worked out, I've worked out with you a couple of times. Like you've, you've put on a good bit of lean mass in that time, it seems. Yeah. Oh, so I never was tracking macros prior to this. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was really under eating, especially mm-hmm. in protein. So I think unintentionally under eating for the past four years, I gave my body the, the nutrients it's probably been dying for. And I just like shot up really quick. Now I've kind of been in like a little plateau the past month or so where it's like, okay, how am I really going to break through this? Put on another 10, another 15. Right. Right. But yeah. So I started blowing up the coach's emails. Like, every week every month and this started in march no one got back to me until june and uh the director of sport performance he he replied back and he goes yes the combine is real while there's no deadline the sooner you can submit something the better uh so you could potentially be invited to rookie camp and i was like great when's rookie camp and what are your top guys doing for these metrics and he replied he said 210 plus in weight, 32 plus inch vertical, and a 4540. And I wasn't too far off from these. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, uh, I'll submit something in the next couple of weeks. Was able to hit all those metrics. Except for, except for weight, by the way. Except for weight, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to call you out on that. <laughs> that. That was one metric I did not hit and I'm still trying to hit. So submitted everything and then went right back to blowing up emails. Like submit everything probably the first week of July. And then no one got back to me. And then August 1st, uh, director of sport performance again replied. He's like, um, sent me an official invite for rookie camp. That was two weeks later. And that was starting the 14th. And it was like, okay, you need to get a background check. It could take two weeks to clear. So was, I suggest you do it today. I was like, okay, let's get on this. And then a whole bunch of other procedures. But then I got invited out to rookie push camp. Where Where, where was that? That was in Lake Placid, New York, up at the Olympic Training Center. So they have an ice house up there. So you're able to push a sled and on dry land, but then also in the ice house. Because for the sport of bobsled, since a lot of people don't know about, it's just all about acceleration and going from zero to 100 as fast as you can. I just want to give context to listeners. Uh, I worked out with Paul literally yesterday we had like there were six people working out and for the last part of the workout we split into groups of two and did like a this sort of race right where one component of it was sled pushes and my team was ahead when i got to the sled pushes and by and i was in the same like heat as paul and by the end my team was way behind and I felt really dumb for a second thinking that I was like, oh, I can keep up with, no, I can't. I can't keep up with someone who's specifically training to push a heavy object as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's been a big part of my training recently. So. <laughs> so, so the ice house, sorry to get us off track. You're, you're at the ice house at Lake Placid. How does rookie camp go? Does anything surprise you? And what kind of feedback are you getting? 
Yeah. So what's really funny is like they sent out a schedule for the week ahead of time. So we kind of knew what was like, all right, we're going to be pushing on dry land the first couple of days and transition to the ice house. And then you see on Saturday, it's like push championships. And we're like, oh, shoot. Like, you know, this is going to be a competition. Only the top guys get invited back type of situation. So like stakes are high. But we don't really know if like if this is a tryout, if this is like you are going to start training with Team USA. If we don't really know much, it's like I remember I took a a Amtrak to Albany, and they send the shuttle to pick everyone up from there because people who come in from San Diego, Texas, all over the country, Albany is the closest airport. So we all get picked up a shuttle. Like we're waiting for the last couple people to arrive this kid walks up and he's like is this the band for the olympics like (laughs) (laughs) like no one knows what's going on and it's kind of comical that it's just like 10 strangers get picked up in a van get driven another two and a half hours north up to lake placid and it's like all right we're gonna push this week and that's all we know but it was just a crash course overload of how to push a sled because while it is a very simple task it is very technical uh, the best example being Olympic weightlifting. It's like get the bar from the ground to overhead, but to do that as efficiently as possible is so technical. You just spend your entire life, years, just trying to fine tune little things to add, you know, an extra kilo to your snatch or extra kilo to your clean and jerk. And it's the same for bobsled. It's like you are going to be really fine tuning acceleration mechanics, how to push a sled for years before just to take a couple tenths of a second off. So it was really, really fun and just humbling to be a beginner again, because it's been a while to be the student. You know, I, something we haven't touched on yet is like, I'm an independent trainer in New York city. I, uh, been coaching for the past five years. So it's been a very long time since I've been the student. So it was such a phenomenal week, like to be getting, to get coached by not just you know, bobsled experts, but Olympians, gold medalists, like in their sport specifically, it was one of the coolest experiences that is ever. And like my whole mindset that week was like, all right, if I don't get invited back, worst case scenario is I got to train like a, a Olympic hopeful for one week of my life. I got to live at an Olympic training center for one week of my life. I got to wake up and my whole focus is to be better. Like I, my whole mindset was just like, take every second of us in because who knows if this will happen again. And that's so much further than the vast majority of people will ever make it in, in, in a sport or the closest they'll get to competing in something like the Olympic games. Yeah. So I was just like, so grateful to be there the entire time taking every opportunity is just like to express my gratitude to the coaches and the time and energy they take to put together that rookie camp Um, because it is a lot of work behind the scenes. And they held two camps. You only had to attend one of the two weeks. And then after the rookie camp, after the push championships on push championships on Saturday, they ended up inviting back the top two rookies from each camp. So they ended up inviting four guys out of like the 16 that were there. So also to get to that combine, they did a very good job of selecting the athletes. Like everyone that was there for the rookie camp was well-deserving of it, like incredible athletes. I thought they assembled the Avengers, like, because they, I guess the previous years, they invited like larger groups, like 20 to 30, but this year they were much more selective. So there's already a big cutoff from virtual combine 
to rookie camp and then another huge cut from rookie camp to national push championships, which is the most recent camp I was at at the end of September. That is where returning Olympians come back, returning development athletes, and then the few rookies all come together. The beginning of the week, we do an in-person combine testing your sprints of 15 meter, 30 meter, 45 meter, flying 30. That's four. Then they test broad jump, shot toss, three rep max back squat, and one rep power clean. So there's eight things they're testing on Monday to start the week at 100% effort. Huge shock to the body. Tuesday, you have completely off. Wednesday, you do individual pushes. You only do three pushes, uh, one from the back, one from the side, and then the third is your option to like make up. It's like, if you feel like you can improve in one of those positions, you get a third attempt. Then they take your two best times. After that, Thursday's rest day. Friday, Saturday, they do combo pushes. Friday was two-man. Uh, Saturday was three-man. And they start to see, like, okay, who pushes really well together? Who might be the strong link? Who might be the weak link? And they're starting to craft the national team that they're going to send on the World Cup. So then after that, what would typically would happen next is they would have team trials at the end of October. This year, they had to switch it up a little bit because they're doing maintenance work on the Lake Placid track mm -hmm. so that they're unable to have uh, time trials. So normally they wouldn't name uh, the national team until after time trials. But this year they had to get creative, use the data they collected from the national push championships, but then also use data from last year for pilots so then they name the national team top guys top two sleds go on the world cup next in the ranks are they put together teams to do the north american cup which is what i have the opportunity and privilege to go on this year which i'm really excited about that i get to compete because being brand new to the sport i actually have never been down a bobsled track <laughs> <laughs> that's that you mentioned that yesterday and that's so insane i do want to back up a little bit out of rookie camp you were one of the top two qualifiers out of these 16 correct yes okay so uh, out of one of the top four one of the top four out of sorry out of the out of the two the two different camps correct. so your first big competition is the north american cup when is that where is that and will you actually have a chance to go down a bobsled track before you show up to compete at the North American Cup? Yes. So North American Cup uh, takes place in Park City, Lake Placid, and Whistler. So those are the three tracks in North America, and all the countries will come in and compete. Um, we're flying out November 7th so that we have about seven days to actually practice going down a full track. Pilots get some runs driving down a full track, and then we get some practice actually loading into a sled and going along for the ride. After that first week, it then transitions into the true North American Cup race where there'll be the two-man and four-man events. Are you doing two-man or four-man at this point? Do you know? Honestly, not sure. <laughs> we'll find out when I get there. But... Uh, for pilots, it actually takes them a little longer to develop in the sport because you have to learn and memorize every single track in the world. It's not that many, but it still requires a lot of time and practice. And there's only a, a small portion of the year where you can actually race. So in order to be a qualified pilot for the national team, you have to race on five tracks 
Yeah. No, five races, three different tracks in two years. They call it a five three two. So until pilots get more experience, they actually start with two man. So there'll be some brand new pilots there that are only racing two man. Got it. And there'll okay. be some pilots that are racing two man and four man. And then going as a push athlete, a brakeman, one of the guys in the back, I'll hop in and step in where they need me. Gotcha. Throughout this process, how many times have you watched Cool Runnings? Only once. <laughs> Only once. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be lying if I said I didn't watch it. <laughs> Favorite scene from the movie? Come on, now that you have a little bit more exposure. Oh, where Janka kisses the egg. You got to kiss the lucky egg. <laughs> Need my egg, coach. Coach. <laughs> I. That's one of the first movies I watched during the beginning of COVID, by the way. It was like that and My Cousin Vinny, all these like 90s comedies, these classics. Uh, yeah. Abs- absolutely had to watch. Are you okay? I'm going to ask you straight up. Are you nervous about going down a track? Because I'm thinking back to Cool Runnings and John Candy's character says, Your bones don't break in a bobsled, they shatter. So, like, <laughs> are, you, are you nervous at all? A little bit. I mean, I'm sure I'll get more nervous when I'm lining up to actually push, push the sled and it's time to hop in. But everyone says that the ride is so much rougher than you think that than you can imagine so you know, it's like think, think how bad it is it's worse than that yeah they're like have you ever been in a car crash i'm like yeah and they're like okay imagine that for an entire mile I'm like okay they're like you're gonna come out with bruises cuts uh you'll get concussions throughout the season i'm like okay and i was like i texted in a group chat with a bunch of guys and said uh as a, a newbie what is there anything i should pack that i wouldn't think of and they said mouthpiece dramamine if you get motion sick car sickness uh burn vests like any padded shorts like they're like <laughs> it, it's a lot so i'm excited but yes i'm definitely nervous <laughs> <laughs> tricks of tricks of the trade i'm curious if your training for this sport has your personal, the training that you do as an athlete has influenced your knowledge of movement and has it all been reflected in you working with clients? Absolutely. So, you know how you said at the beginning, oh, it sounds like a lot of football players. Like, it sounds a sport built for football athletes, which is true. There are some football guys, but there is also a huge track influence. Like mm. there are a lot of track athletes that get into the sport because they're they're just fast. One thing that the coaches said is that you can never be too fast for bobsled. It's like, oh, what do I work on after this camp? What what should I be improving on? They're like, you can never be too fast. So get faster is always the thing. So not having a track background, my training the past three months has been a lot of speed mechanics and i've been learning the difference between top speed and acceleration i've been learning a lot of different explosive plyometric exercises for horizontal power and vertical power and that has carried over to definitely training some of my clients i'm like wow they can definitely benefit from this like this isn't just for performance driven athletes you know all walks of life they should be able to jump they they should be able to drop into a lunge comfortably they like they should be able to run from point a to point b without you know stumbling over their feet and then also like you know a huge component of that is just like balance and coordination and then working with a lot of gen pop 
um, individuals seeing that, oh, wow, the, this, the balance is a use it or lose it. And it's like humbling. And it almost surprises them when I say, let's do an inverted reach or a single leg RDL and they're jumping all over the place. So it definitely has influenced my own training, but then also my style of coaching, because it's just something that I think everyone can benefit from. That makes a lot of sense. Paul, where is the best place or the best places for people to follow along with you, your training, your work with clients, some of, maybe some of the workouts we do together in the future after you get back from camp, though, I think it'll be a little while, all that good stuff. Yeah, best place to keep up with me is definitely on Instagram. I'm the most active there. You can find me at PR underscore performance underscore underscore because PR performance is probably a very high demand name. But that is where I'm the most active. That's where you can keep up with not only my journey of pursuing bobsled, but also my journey of coaching clients. And like you said, our workouts together. <laughs> you'll see if you want to see someone not have great sprint mechanics, look in the background of some of Paul's videos and you'll you'll find you'll find me flailing. Paul, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing some of your journey. I learned a lot about you in this episode. I appreciate you not giving away all the good stuff in our conversation yesterday. It was very <laughs> smart. Um, and uh, I, I look forward to seeing what you do in the sport and beyond. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited to see where things go. Uh, one of the biggest things is that people will joke around that I'm an Olympian and I always have to like correct them because that title is well earned and it is such a privilege. So like, I even want to say it on here. It's like, I am not an Olympian. I'm an Olympic hopeful. I'm somebody who is definitely setting my eye on the prize and pursuing the games, but not there hopefully yet. <laughs> Appreciate you clarifying, and when I record the intro to this, I promise I won't I won't give you accolades you haven't earned yet, because I'll be very excited for when you do. Thanks so much, Paul. All right, thanks, David.